Hello, promoters, and welcome back to Uncharted Territory. This is episode 90. Uh, we are here today with a very newsworthy show, a lot to talk about. Uh, as we drop this episode, it'll be Galacticon weekend, and there may be some spoilers depending on if you're attending Galacticon, depending on when you get your sets, if you get them online or printed. Uh, so just I'm going to throw that spoiler warning out there right now. But let me introduce myself. I'm Corey Olson. I'll be leading our discussion tonight. Uh, here in the Twin Cities, uh, weather's been a little bit cooler by summer standards, uh, about the mid 80s. Uh, we did get some much needed rain today, not as much as we could use, but uh, enough, and we're very thankful for that. Uh, but my family and I got to our, our favorite beach, Snail Lake, uh, the last couple of days, two days in a row. And don't worry, it's not it's it's weedy and seaweedy, but not not a lot of snails. So it's it's a nice little nice little uh, lake up near Shoreview, Minnesota. And so we we're glad to spend some time outside. Uh, while we can. Uh, we have two other members of our LOW team. Stu is not with us for this recording as he is uh, traveling uh, for business, allegedly. Uh, maybe oh my goodness. No, oh my God. I thought he wasn't with us because he he's, died in the he die? Oh, no. No, oh, okay. My, my apologies, good. promoters. I did, didn't know. Not sorry to. to... Stu is no longer with us. <laughs> not with us tonight. No, no okay. He's with us in spirit Oof. and he is Oof. very alive. Oof. He's uh, on a vacation. But... He's not on a. Oh, it's not a work thing. Okay. Okay. Well, good. He's maybe in search of eggnog a few months early, but I uh, hope Stu's having fun wherever he is on his vacation. Uh, but let's go to our other team members. Uh, let's go to my brother, Chad Olson down in Gilbert, Iowa. Chad, how are things this evening? Oh, it's very warm down here. Very warm, very summery, very humid, not super comfortable. So today I was pretty much a bum. Yesterday I worked out a lot side. We took down a tree, mowed the lawn, hauled the remnants of the tree. I helped Connor move. Oh my gosh, I was busy and it was hot. Um, but today just kind of kicked back, worked a little bit on some behind the scenes stuff for the IPW set, namely the handbook and, uh, did a little stuff on work too, for my, for my real job that pays the bills and allows me to live in this palatial mansion here on school street in Gilbert. So yeah, I'm good. Excellent. Sounds like a good day. Very, very productive day. Very good. Uh, let's go over to Buffalo, New York and check in with Tim Dalton. Tim, how are you this fine evening? I'm doing great, Corey. Thanks. And uh, we had good weather here, uh, about 85 degrees today. Uh, not not too humid, but but no clouds in the sky. So uh, the sun was beating down on my my big bald head when I was out playing park golf today. Uh, and and it was uh, it, it 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 was a little warm, and I I turned into a fat sweaty mess by the end. But that's okay. I got a couple rounds in, no holes in one. Uh, although I do have an update that I, I did find out. I did get some clarification on on who has how many holes in one. So I believe I am the leader with 15. Um, there's a guy from Michigan, Joey, who's got 11. He came in. He got one this weekend, right? He got one this weekend. Yes. I've and been then, watching him on the Facebook. I'm sending him yep. some threats saying back off, Jack. Off. <laughs> Say, go back to Michigan, sucker. You well, you must have scared him because he's moving to Albuquerque, so he probably yeah. won't be here at Park Golf for a little oh, while. Oh shit! He took a wrong yeah. turn. Yeah, he did. I told him he took the left turn at Albuquerque. So, um, but yeah, I just I, I was talking to him. I, I got there uh, just a little while after he had uh, he had gotten the hole in one. So I was I'm glad I got to see him before he he moved. So it was pretty cool. Speaking of Albuquerque, I forgot to tell you, fellers. So. At some point, when was it? When I was coming home, oh, when I was coming home from Austin, flew from Austin to Dallas, and I was waiting for Dallas to Des Moines and waited and waited and waited and waited and waited and waited, right? And like two hours later, my plane finally gets there and it was coming from Albuquerque. So I figured they had to have taken a wrong turn and that's why the damn thing was so late. It wasn't that good of a story, but I wanted to share it with you. 
well, no, thank that, you. But, you know, I'm glad you did. Yeah, me too. But no, everything, uh, everything else was good. Uh, but uh, yeah, so Joey, he's, uh, he's got 11. And I don't think anybody else is in double digits. I think there's like two or three people that have nine, eight or nine. So, um, but, uh, but that, that is the hole in one update from, from Destroyer Park Golf. And I'm looking forward to our, uh, our topic here this evening. So uh, uh, let's, let's keep it rolling. Excellent. Well, congratulations, Tim, on your uh, uh, extending your lead. And hopefully it, uh, the, you keep on top of the boards there at Destroyer Park Golf. Keep it local and uh, keep everybody happy. Uh, to start off this episode, um, we're going to talk about a little bit of a, a somber topic. Uh, it was one year ago, uh, as we record, uh, that Tim contacted Chad and me uh, with the sad news that our great friend Steve Minskoff had, had passed away. Um, of course, we did, we did an episode on him, uh, dedicated to him, uh, about this time last year. And uh, my wife actually brought up to me, just not even you know knowing it was the date, asked, did you ever do an episode about Steve? And I said, yeah, we did actually. And um, you know, just gr great to listen back to that. I've, I've listened to that at least once. I don't often listen back to our, our full episodes, at least just because I spend so much time editing things. Um, but that is one that I, that I listened to again. And uh, honestly, I was thinking about it. I might, might re-listen to it. So uh, yeah, uh, just kind of sad. The thoughts and prayers are with, uh, with his wife, Demi, and their kids. Um, you know, Tim, any, anything to add about Steve? No, I mean, I did, I did find out about it kind of late. I mean, he mm -hmm. passed away at the, uh, at the, uh, believe the end of May last year. And I mm -hmm. didn't find out until, um, uh, uh, you know, the, uh, early July, mm -hmm. um, still, I mean, I think about him all the time. We still do little Minskoffisms mm -hmm. throughout the show. It seems yep. like every week, yep. um, you know, he was, he was a big impact on all our, our, our lives. And, yeah. um, you know, I, I miss the guy. I miss, you know, he'd be going, he'd be going crazy calling me and we'd be talking about, you know, are the Mets better than the Yankees? Are the Yankees <laughs> better than the Mets? And, you know, he'd be talking about uncle, his uncle, Jimmy, his uncle, Jimmy says the Mets are just going to roll over every, because the, I think uncle Jimmy is probably the only, only bigger Mets fan than Steve. <laughs> so I'm sure, uh, I'm sure we'd be having some pretty interesting conversations these days, but, uh, um, yeah, I, I really miss Steve and it's, mm. uh, um, it, it, it's sad. And I, I, I didn't even realize that today was the, the day that I found out until Corey mentioned it. So, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, uh, just, just a great guy and, uh, you know, lasting legacy in the game and yeah. in our lives. Absolutely. Absolutely. Chad. Yeah. I just noticed it this morning on a Facebook memory popped up of a, um, a fair show that we did that day. And as I've said on that, the show where we remembered Steve, I just got into a fair show and I looked at the, the picture and it was a picture of ugly and myself and referee Brent Fillmore in the ring, uh, holding the giant novelty check. I'm like, Oh shit, that's the day that we heard about Steve. So I, I had actually just put it on our, our sheet for tonight as an internal note for us. I didn't mean oh. to, to broadcast. That's fine. That's fine. No, we'll talk about it. Okay. But I have listened to that episode about Steve quite a few times. And I don't normally go back and listen to our stuff either because it usually sucks. But that was a pretty good episode. And uh, I thought, uh, yeah, if we remembered him well. And I like Tim. I think about him a lot, not just on the show. But, you know, if I think last week we had a comment about a layer of meat and cheese. Yes. Another layer of meat and cheese. That was yep. a Minskoff-inspired quote from a, from a pizza ordering <laughs> at, the, at the Motel 6 at uh, uh, Jamestown. Mm -hmm. and 
there's a, a gentleman in my uh, National Financial Aid Association who just wrapped up being national chair for the year. Um, and he has Brentisms, and it's kind of it's kind of like a Minskoffism, but not quite as wacky, but it still makes you think. Um, <laughs> so when he would say some of those things, I would kind of smile and 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 kind of think of Steve too, and I'm like, yeah, this was maybe what Steve would have meant like if he, you know, maybe had taken better care of his brain in college or something. But <laughs> uh, yeah, I just uh, I wish we could have gotten him on the show at least once, but obviously that wasn't meant to be. So um, yeah, if you haven't heard that episode, Promoters, it's called Memories of a Promoter. It's episode 38, and you can go back and listen to some more details about, about Steve Minskoff. Well, as we record, uh, this is a, a Sunday evening, so we're a little bit ahead of our normal uh, Tuesday night schedule. Um, as far as what's new in the Filsinger Games world, uh, at, as of this time, we just had one announcement since our last recording. Uh, and that's uh, this past Friday night, we had a Legends announcement for the Tragos Thez Hall of Fame set three. And as a lot of promoters guessed, uh, the newest name is Dan Spivey. Uh, this is an update from the black and white card that he had in uh, Legends, uh, I think it was 13. And uh, he's going to be honored this year in Waterloo uh, coming up soon with the, uh, uh, the Frank Gotch Award. So, um, Chad, uh, thoughts on Dan Spivey? Well, I thought since he was... Um being inducted in the hall of fame or receiving the Frank Gotch award this year, it would be a good opportunity to maybe modernize his card. And, you know, with that Mike Rotundo um, card that we're doing, you know, people might want to team him up as the uh, varsity club. We'll get to that in a little bit and, and go over that process. But, you know, I thought, I thought it was a good opportunity to get him in there and, and get him colorized and hopefully people enjoy the card. Yeah, absolutely. Tim. Chad, correct me if I'm wrong, but he wasn't on when when we did the initial list of guys we were doing. He was kind of a late addition because he correct. was being honored this year. Correct. That is a correct statement. Yes. Okay, so we we swapped somebody out for for Dan Spivey, um, and I'm not sure who that is. So it's not like I'm trying to cover up. I just don't remember who it was because my memory is shot. So, um, but yeah, no, I you know I I thought it was. Uh, a good, I thought we did a good update. Um, I would never really was thrilled with, I mean, as much as I like Steve Stanley's art, I mean, I wasn't thrilled with that drawing for spy because mm -hmm. at the time we, we had trouble finding a good, uh, you know, a good high resolution reference for, for, uh, people to use. So, yeah. um, you know, at least this one came out looking a little like Dan Spivey, even though he's a little foreheady, but I, 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 I do, do recall that, that, you know, he did have that receding hairline. So maybe that had something to do with it. Um, but no, I'm, you know, he's another, another guy that fits in the game that uh, you could throw into a bunch of different things. And, um, you know, his card, I think looks a little bit different than the original one. So I, I think people are going to enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, by the way, Spans by the replaced who was originally scheduled to be in the set. Uh, and th that is a new name and I've taken that name out promoters, uh, but his, his card will come eventually. You'll find out who that is. We'll, we'll tell you once uh, uh, he's released in a, in a future legend set. Um, but we'll just uh, go with that and just kind of roll right into our main topic tonight, which is the Tragos Thez Hall of Fame three set. And again, as we record this, um, this will be dropped probably on our usual Friday. Maybe I'll wait till Saturday with Galacticon coming this weekend. We'll see. We'll see. I have a text into Todd about when the TNT Hall of Fame sets being released at Galacticon. Okay, that's and that's yeah. So 
Um, so if you if you want to be surprised, promoters, you know, we, I will try to respect the Galacticon release and, and re release this episode after that. But uh, if you want to be surprised, if you haven't gotten your sets in the mail, didn't go to Galacticon, don't get them online. Uh, the last spoiler warning, we're going to talk about the set in detail. So that includes the names that haven't been publicly announced that won't be announced until the cards are released at Galacticon. Uh, but we had eight cards in this set. And uh, Tim and I did the majority of the work on the stats for this one as Chad was very busy with the IPW set, which we're going to talk on next week's episode. Uh, so we'll kind of go through uh, the guys that Tim and I uh, did. Uh, we'll all kind of give our thoughts as we do with other set reviews. And uh, yeah, just give, give some thoughts and memories about this uh, great cast of wrestlers. Uh, first of all, we're going to talk about two guys that I did a lot of the work on, and that was the aforementioned Dan Spivey, as well as Mike Rotunda. Of course, uh, promoters kind of knew about Rotunda, I think, since the April convention, uh, when it was first said that he would, that not Mike Rotunda would be in the set, or however that was worded. Um, but this was, and I, as I talked before, I got to witness uh, Mike Molesky get this signing, and that was just really cool to see. And I'm glad it worked out that we could release him this year. I was really excited uh, for this Varsity Club era Mike Rotunda. This is a card that I I uh, plan to use at some point. Um, I just really enjoyed this era of his career, probably the most. Um, he was a great baby face too, but I, I enjoyed the, I enjoyed uh, just him, you know, going back to his amateur roots, even though he was a, a, a heel and, you know, wasn't a, a pure amateur in, in, in the ring, but uh, just like the, that whole varsity club gimmick. Um, you know, he does, he has got the, the butterfly suplex finisher, but that guillotine hold on level three offense, number five, he won a few matches with that in 1989. And uh, the, the handbook in the bio that Stu wrote describes what that is, if you're not familiar with, with what a guillotine is. Um, but this was, a, this was a fun card to put together. Um, kind of a tough one, you know, as far as like how tough to make him and, and everything. You know, he was the, the NWA TV champion for about a year. Uh, and, uh, you know, didn't, didn't go beyond that to the U.S. title, but uh, was, was pushed really well. Uh, well protected, did a lot of time limit draws with a lot of his uh, TV title challengers. Uh, so I definitely think he's going to be a good contender in your Fed. Uh, and then Dan Spivey, as we kind of already mentioned, um, I'm going to give Chad credit for Spivey's black and white card. You know, I did the work on this one, but Chad really did a great job on that first card. I mean, this is one where as I watched more footage, yeah, we added in a few moves like the Spivey uh, or the crucifix power bomb was when I saw him use. And then we gave him a tag move just because he had a couple of tag team partners in the game. Um, but, you know, it, 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 we, we could have gotten by with his black and white card too and still been very accurate. Uh, so just a few things to kind of to freshen up the card from the black and white days. Um, like Tim mentioned, I like this artwork better than the black and white, even with the big forehead. Uh, but I think it's I think it's a good uh, good just a better overall picture of Spivey in that in that era. Um, you know, you can use him in the Varsity Club if you wanted to. Obviously, we got a lot of Varsity Club members now in the game. Um, you could team him up with other guys. Uh, you know, I thought about teaming him with like Giant Bernard. Uh, as kind of a replacement for the skyscrapers. Both guys had careers in Japan. You can team them with Stan Hansen. They were a team. Uh, so just a lot of options out there. Um, Chad, thoughts on Rotunda and Spivey? So uh, I was very excited to get Rotunda in the game, although I'll be honest, um, I'm, I'm looking forward to a potential babyface tag team partner for Barry Windham down the road. So maybe we'll see that sometime soon. Maybe it'll be uh, later, but I think he did a very good job on his card. Uh, he was, I mean, I really liked him as a heel. Don't get me wrong. I just liked the baby freeze version better, but he was 
you know, tag team champs when I started watching WWF. And Spivey, thank you very much for that lovely compliment. I, I would agree. I did a fantastic job as always back then. But I like the way you, you freshened him up and, and gave him a couple different moves, gave him that tag move. And yeah, I think I'd probably use him as Hanson with Hanson, although your your uh, giant Bernard idea is also good. But there is a there is that Ring of Honor Kevin Sullivan card. So I guess you could have them manage the the varsity club of William Spive and Rotunda, you know, and some people said, Oh, he's wearing a skyscraper gear. He's not wearing, you know, varsity club stuff. I mean, there's not going to be a different card for a varsity club Spivey because it was the exact same stuff. I watched mm-hmm. some matches uh, to kind of help Corey out with Spivey a little bit. And he was really only in that varsity club gear for about four months. It was a very brief time. Mm-hmm. So it really doesn't warrant a different card. He used the same finishers. Um, that are on his card now. So, um, but very, very good work. I think you could bring those two in as a, as a tag team, um, you know, as the varsity club and have an immediate impact. Absolutely. Yeah. I'll, I'll agree with Chad as far as, you know, the time frame. Um, that varsity club thing was, it was very brief. And uh, I watched some of those matches too, in addition to the, the skyscrapers and the post 1989 stuff, a lot of Japan stuff. And yeah, there weren't any, drastic changes so this is you're not going to get a, a varsity club dance spivey card at any point it would only be different artwork and now there's a lot of other guys we need to release first before doing something like that but you know chad alluded to a baby face mike rotunda and you know maybe as well maybe a, a baby face dan spivey uh, from his his early days chad something Ooh, else that would be a great idea oh. um well yeah the only, yeah the only thing i was going to say you know you had mentioned with the black and white it was hard to get artwork hmm. And it was hard for this one too, and it would be even more difficult to get one of him in the George Bulldog jacket. Right, right, yeah. Uh, so it was it was just hard. I mean, we had the same thing with the with the Hall of Fame. We do some for the awards, you know, do some artwork for the guys. And it was hard to get a good uh, good uh, reference photo for Spivey for that too. Just mm. not allowed. It's it's weird, you know. You think, oh, the internet's this treasure trove of photos, except it's not. Yeah. Modern guys, yes. Yeah. But even guys as recently as like late 80s, early 90s, not always the case. Right, right. Yep. Yep. Tim, and I'm sure uh, I'm I'm sure you know somewhere there's there's probably like you know promo picks for those guys, but they're right. they're they're not online. No. Um, but yeah, I um uh you know Rotunda, I it, it, as much as I he had some wacky gimmicks as a heel, uh this was this was the good one. Uh, so, so I don't mind seeing them here, uh, you know, in the, in, in the Syracuse stuff and, uh, and, and doing that Spivey, I thought, uh, a little bit of credit go to, to Mike Molesky, who, who, uh, suggested the tag move on there. Um, uh, you know, so that, that, uh, that, that helped too, uh, which I thought, I thought made sense because he didn't have a lot of singles success and wasn't a real, you know, he didn't hold a lot of titles, but he did have a lot of tag team success. So that mm-hmm. it did make sense to kind of throw that on the card. Um, but I, I, I like both guys. I, I prefer the, the rotunda uh, baby face card, but um, more than happy to uh, substitute uh, uh, the, the, the heel card in uh, for now. Uh, I think people are going to like these guys and I think they're, they're going to be able to, to kind of fit in in a, a bunch of ways in their fed. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Uh, next up on our roster, as we record this, these names have not been publicly announced, but obviously by the time uh, the episode drops and, uh, and everything, they'll be 
released at Galacticon. So you'll find out the last two names of the set. And Tim did a, a lot of the work on these, uh, both revisions from black and white days and one that I think a lot of promoters uh, weren't sure if you would, would be able to get colorized. Uh, first of all, women's wrestler Petty Banner, and then great Japanese legend Antonio Inoki. Tim, uh, thoughts on Inoki and Penny? Uh, you know, I'll I'll take Penny Banner first. Um, I mean, it was kind of cool going back. There, there's a few more matches, um, or at least uh, there, there's actually not a few more matches, but there was some some more articles and stuff like that that I was able to find and uh, uh, kind of flush the card out a little bit better. Uh, wanted to put her uh, on a level, say, right below uh, Fabulous Moolah and uh, Mildred Burke, uh, because she was one of the top attractions around in the, the women's ranks. So uh, tried to do that, tried to slot her in the right spot. So I think that that worked out well, uh, added, you know, kind of updated the move set. But other than that, not really a lot of changes for uh, for Penny's card, but thrilled to have her in the set. And Inoki is one of those guys I figured we might not uh, we might not get. So this card looks a little different than his black and white. I never liked as much as I thought the black and white card was successful as, as far as results. I never quite liked the way it played because I didn't like that the big level two offense where he had the, the uh, level three moves on four, five, and six. So we changed that up a little bit, did something. We, we don't really do a lot in Legends where we have a... Uh, level one offense, number six uh, move. It's a level three move with no modifiers on it. No ag, no power, no choice. Uh, it, it's it's kind of rare. We do it with tag teams uh, because the tag matches always go a little longer so you can get a little bit you know, uh, more creative with the offense. But uh, I, I, I changed it around in, in damn, I did a ton of play testing uh, online with this. And, uh, again, uh, you know, I hate to give Mike Molesky credit for anything, but I gotta, I gotta give him on this one. He, he kind of called me one night and we, we sat and I, I, it just, I just weren't getting the results we wanted with the play test, although I knew the moves were good and it was just kind of moving, you know, shuffling some of the stuff around on the card and just playing with it a little bit and getting the right mix. And so he, he was on the phone and we sat there and we talked for a while and we came up with a few different iterations and wound up with the card that, that people now have and that, that's in the set. So, um, you know, Mike was a, a good help on that one, just kind of talking me through the, the, the different things and uh, just trying a, a bunch of different options for, for Antonio to, to make him as powerful as he needs to be without being either too weak or too strong. So um, really enjoyed working on the card though. It was a lot of fun. And uh, I, I think people are going to be really surprised that, that he's in the set. Yeah. You know, a couple of people have, have kind of guessed him as a possible name, but uh, uh, you know, not, not as many as I would have thought. Uh, so I, I think people will definitely be pleased and surprised. This has been one of the promoters have been waiting on a long time. You know um, if, if promoters are new and didn't have the original black and white set, he was in legends, hardcore and, so this is a brand new name to them. So that's, that's really cool. And you did a great job, Tim. You really put a lot of time and effort. And, and like you said, the play testing, one of the things I love about COTG online is you can do that, uh, that testing and, and uh, just, you know, save time. You don't have to roll out 50 matches, just let the computer do it for you. And um, I like, I like what you did there with his uh, level three offense, um, uh, combining the Cobra twist and the octopus hold, because they were similar moves. And, right. I mean, uh, one's the mm -hmm. traditional, you know, the Cobra twist is basically the traditional abdominal stretch. And then the octopus is when he kind of puts his leg over the guy's head. Mm -hmm. And I figured that instead of putting them as separate moves, you know, let's just kind of combine it and make it an additional yep. uh, 
additional things. So I thought that worked well. Yeah, that was a great call. And um, I think that that really makes a lot of sense. And the, um, the move that you mentioned, the arm breaker on level one offense, um, you know, he did a lot of different arm bars, especially against some, some of his kind of shoot style opponents. And then um, Corey, you brought that up too, before I even got started doing the things like, mm-hmm. Hey, you know, we really need to get an arm breaker <laughs> on the card because he beat Andre the giant with it for crying yeah, out loud. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and, and I was like, geez, you know, that, 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 that makes sense. And he did use it. Not, not a lot, not a lot against some of the, the pro style guys, but like you said, yeah. the shoot style guys. So, yeah. Yeah. With Andre in black and white, I thought, Oh, he should probably really have that on there to, uh, that was, I believe Andre's only, or one of his only submission losses in his entire career. That was 1986. I think his last kind of regular full-time or, you know, full, his active tour of Japan, uh, you know, before he uh, went heel in the WWF and everything. So uh, really cool that uh, we've got that on there as part of the history. Uh, Chad, thoughts on on Penny or Inoki? I'm very glad to have them both in this set. Um, Inoki was definitely somebody I didn't know if we'd get in either. So I think people are going to be super excited. I like what you guys did with the the finisher sequence, you know, with the Cobra and the octopus hold and all that. I would have to say this was probably the most play-tested legend character we've ever put together. I was traveling for business and then I immediately got home and took this certification test. And I was like locked myself in my office for a couple of days to study and take this test. And I would just get emails and I'd look at them every once in a while about Anoki this and Anoki that. I'm like, people quit talking about Anoki. You're driving me crazy. But I'm glad you did it because it it looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I I think probably the only ones close to this were probably the kangaroos that, yeah, that I worked right. on because we, mm-hmm. we wanted to get them where they needed to be too. And right. Um, but yeah, we, we worked on this one a lot just because a lot of times we don't change up the formatting of the cards too much as far as the way they're set up, mm-hmm. but we will update move sets. And in this one, I, I changed the format and I wanted to make sure he was still going to be a strong contender and, and potential champion. Mm-hmm. And then for Banner, uh, yeah, like you said, Tim, there wasn't a lot of footage new. There seems to be about three or four videos of the same match with her is it her against june buyers i feel like i watched one match and i'd find it again and it was like more edited and stuff right we use the new professional wrestling women's history book that uh dan johnson and bertrand hebert wrote and that had a little bit of a um passage about banner in there as well and it was kind of noted that she liked wrestling heel more um so we made sure there was some dastardly moves on her card too, I think. Yeah. But. And she, but I think she fits in either way, you know, Oh yeah. I wanted to use her. Cause I'm sure she was used as a baby face. Cause she was, you know, she was the pretty one. Right. So right. I mean, they're going to, they're going to throw her in there sometimes and mm-hmm. you know, Oh, she dated Elvis and you know, so she's <laughs> going to, she's going to wind up being the baby in the match. So. Yeah. And she yep. was, she was a, a perennial AWA women's champion. Mm-hmm. So got to give her credit for that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. As I, as I said, uh, with Anoki, you know, I think Tim did a really good job of, uh, kind of changing some things up. Anoki had success in my fed in his black and white card days. Um, but never, never what I really hoped he would reach, you know, given his level of, of importance in wrestling history, um, you know, just probably lost some matches that I, I thought he shouldn't. And, um, I'm really, really interested to try out this new version and, and see how it plays. I think having that that pin of four one is going to be a big, a big help. Um, that level three offense uh, and, and the, the finisher setup. 
Um, having that uncovered move on, on level one, number six, these are all going to be just, just a lot of little things that um, are going to going to help him. So I'm I'm excited to bring him in back, bring him back in at some point. And uh, and Penny, yeah, as as Tim and Chad said, not not a lot of new things on her, but Tim good, did a good job of just giving her a, a fresh coat of paint and uh, shaking things up a little bit with uh, with her move set. So well done there, Tim. All right, uh, two of the new names uh, to the Legends and Phil Singer games completely uh, that were signed last year. Again, thanks to Mike Molesky and Jerry Briscoe. Um, that was the world's strongest man, Mark Henry, and the world's most dangerous man, Ken Shamrock. Um, I, I did a, a lot of the work on these two, um, and I remember them quite well. I was watching WWE very you know, actively during their careers, uh, more so with Shamrock and the Attitude Era. I was in high school at that time when wrestling was... In a, in a big uh, popular time period. And, and uh, Shamrock was always one of my favorites who we've talked before about seeing him in the UFC and fighting Dan Severn in that in, infamous Detroit fight. Uh, but I was really excited when he came into WWE in 97. And, uh, you know, he, he, you kind of look at it, his pro wrestling career was kind of a short one, you know, in between MMA stints. Um, but he achieved a lot. You know, he, he did a lot in the WWF um, in those time. And so he wanted his card to kind of reflect that, you know, he had his very short NWA title run when, when TNA started. Uh, I didn't really watch much of that just because it was so brief. Um, but, you know, I mainly, mainly watched WWF stuff. And, you know, I just, he had a lot of moves for a guy that was, you know, more of a, a shoot style guy. And I had kind of forgotten about some of these things that he did. Uh, so it was just fun to go back and, and uh, revisit that. Um, this is when I, I play tested him in COTG online just against Dan Severn. Um, because I wanted him to, I wanted to see how they matched up. And, and I think Shamrock won about 60% of the matches, uh, which is kind of what I would was, was hoping would happen. You know, I think he'd be a little bit tougher than Severin, you know, the competitive overall, but when you're comparing just pro wrestling, not MMA, you know, I think Shamrock should be a little bit, a little bit ahead of Severin. Um, I didn't get the chance. I wanted to test him against Kurt Angle. I uh, didn't, didn't get the chance to do that, but uh, I think promoters are going to have a lot of fun with this card. Uh, however you choose to use him. And then I was really excited about Mark Henry. You know, here's a guy who really uh, up until last year or whenever it was, he went to AEW as an announcer. I mean, he was in the WWE his entire career, you know, of course, in their uh, affiliated promotions and things like that. I mean, this was a, I thought he was a guy that they would always keep under contract, you know, as a spokesman or something. Um, disappointing that he got let go, but, you know, good for us. We got him in the game. And this is a name I never thought we'd see. Um, uh, really cool to give a guy a minus five power. Uh, he definitely deserves it, giving his weightlifting uh, Olympic career and everything. Um, that wasn't even a, a question to me as far as should he be that high. That I knew that right away, and I don't think anybody would have argued with that. Um, it was kind of hard as far as you know making the rest of the card. Um, you know, he kind of had some ups and downs through his career. Maybe not pushed as much, but especially you know kind of the early 2010s, uh, late 2000s. They, they started giving him more of a push. You know, he had that, uh, the run with the, the SmackDown world title, the big gold belt when he uh, feuded with Big Show and Brian Danielson. And, uh, you know, he was the ECW champ um, for a good number of months. Uh, that wasn't always pushed as, as highly as the other two WWE belts, but, uh, you know, kind of wanted to give him something, some credit there. Um, the, the finisher rating was maybe probably the biggest thing to figure out as far as what to do, but I think plus three is a good, a good level for someone like him. Uh, you know, some of the top stars like Triple H or Randy Orton would kick out of it once before, uh, before Mark maybe pinned them with something else or, or they came back to beat him. So 
uh this is i'm i'm really excited to have this card in the game um, again after meeting him last year such a nice gentleman and uh glad we could uh get him in this set uh tim thoughts on ken shamrock and mark henry you know shamrock was always early on in the the whole ufc uh thing and even even with pancrase i mean was always one of my my favorites i mean just his knowledge uh of submissions especially lake submissions and stuff seem to be you know way ahead of a lot of the other guys that were in the uh in the sport at the time uh but then of course things change and everybody caught up pretty quickly so uh but i'm i'm thrilled to have him in the game seems like a really nice guy uh mark henry uh as we talked about uh just just a super guy um really glad i mean the the card for him is i mean that i'm glad i didn't have that one because that that's tough you could have gone a couple different ways you know you could go the 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 bundy route you could where you just jack his jack his defense to the moon um you know i mean there there's a lot of different ways to put it together but i think i think what you've got and like you said too there were times when it's not like he was a bruno san martino where he was on top for 15 years um you know, he, he kind of went up and down because you had to almost do that because there's no territories anymore. So you've got to kind of concentrate on some guys and not others. So there were parts of his career where he was, he was super, super pushed. And there were parts of his career where he was a little bit more in the background. Um, so it's always tough to kind of work on guys like that, but I thought he did a great job. I think the, the card is going to perform well for people and, uh, it's going to be fun to see how that minus five power plays too uh, in, in, in some of these things. So looking forward to it and uh, we'll, we'll see where, uh, where things go. And, and I'm looking forward to seeing some comments from folks once they, uh, they start playing with the cards. Yeah. You know, I, I like your um, thoughts there comparing him to a guy like King Kong Bundy. And that was kind of something I initially before started watching matches, you know, I just kind of laid out just kind of a rough draft of the card. And I was kind of thinking a higher pin rating for him, like a seven, four, maybe. Um, but then as I watched stuff and, you know, different time frame, um, he, it, this wasn't the era where he necessarily would take a while to get knocked off his feet. Sometimes they'd, they'd kind of do that angle with him, depending on the opponent, but you know, he'd bump and he'd, he'd uh, kick out of bigger moves, um, sometimes even kick out of, of finishers. Uh, and so I thought, oh, I think, I think seven, four is just a, a little bit high. And I think given his, his run, even though a brief run as a world champ, I thought, I, th I thought a five, two was, was good for him. Wasn't, wasn't out of the question. Uh, Chad thoughts on Henry or Shamrock? I think he did a great job with Henry. Um, and like Tim said, it would be a hard one to, to sit down and do because it is a different time than a guy like Bundy, you know, and he was, he was uh he fluctuated uh, a guy of his size you know back in the 70s 80s would have most assuredly been on top just due to his size mm -hmm. but um you know in the in the attitude era and era after that that's not always the case but i think he did a really good job and i'm super excited to have ken shamrock i want to have him fight Ang angle i want to have him fight anoki I want to have him fight Vader in a UWFI yes. style match. Cause I don't, did they ever fight in the WWF? They, yeah. That was actually his, I think like his first, I know it was his first pay-per-view match. Cause I watched okay. that um, in, in, in doing the research, but, but one of his very first actual WWF matches was against Vader. Someday I hope we sign the nasty boys so he can beat the piss out of those two fuckers. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yep. So yeah, I would love, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to have Mark Henry, but 
I'm even more excited to have Kim Shamrock. But mm-hmm. both of them are huge, huge signings for the game. So absolutely. Yeah. And you know, since we're talking about uh remembrances, um, when you said the world's most dangerous man and the world's strongest man, it made me think of who I deemed the world's toughest man, our friend Jerry Anderson, mm. um, last year's Hall of Fame, part of the high rollers who were a, a tag team manager combo promoters. Uh, up in Minnesota and great guys. And at the time of the hall of fame, you know, and in this, ju- I did not plan this. It just came to me. You know, I think Shamrock got his word. He sat down and I kind of looked over and the table next to him was Jerry Anderson and Jerry Anderson had been battling pancreatic cancer for four or five years. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm sure he would be happy to tell you based on what I saw his political activity was um I'm very sure it's the marijuana and the copious amounts of marijuana that he smoked that kept him alive for that long because pancreatic cancer is not something you usually battle for four or five years. And he had chemotherapy on Thursday, the day the Hall of Fame event started. And on Friday, he was there, you know, with his good buddy Sterling. Um, and I, I looked over that Saturday night and I just said, you know what? No, no disrespect, Mr. Shamrock the world's toughest man is sitting at the table right next to you and everybody just i kind of briefly gave jerry's story and uh the place erupted in a standing ovation as i recall for jerry so Mm -hmm. it's going to be a a tough year without him unfortunately he lost his battle about a month after that um but he called me and told me what what that meant to him so um you know this whole hall of fame you know it's about paying respect to the wrestler but it's also about just seeing our family every year mm-hmm. just like you know people see their family at galacticon our, our wrestling families every year so mm-hmm. uh, i'm i'm super excited that those events are back to back this year and that some promoters are going to be able to actually hit both both events so yeah. i'm rambling but you know what it's our it's our show it's my That's show right. i i'm one quarter owner of this enterprise so i can <laughs> ramble you are you are allowed uh, we'll allow it yeah thank you thank you for sharing that great memory about jerry um, one last thing I meant to say earlier with Shamrock, you know, um, and we kind of talked about this a little bit, you know, during his WWF time, he had that kind of the crazy gimmick or he would snap uh, in certain matches and, you know, beat up his opponent beyond the bell, beat up referees. Um, I, you know, I just didn't feel like doing any kind of special mechanic on the card for that, but that was the reason I gave him that, that little bit higher DQ rating of five um, so that he is prone to get disqualified more than some other guys. Uh, so that's something where you could, you know, if he gets disqualified, you can say he snaps and, and beats up everybody. Uh, I just, we, we had talked about it, uh, and, and we've got some audio that we recorded here that I'll add to this episode of our discussions. I think we mentioned that in one of those pre-recorded segments. Um, but it just, just didn't feel right. Um, doing something like that on, on Shamrock's card. All right. The last two names of the set, uh, were big names. And again, one of them for sure, I, I never thought would be possible. Uh, they were a great tag team, but also great in other teams or as singles competitors. And of course, that is the former NWA World Tag Team Champions, Don Kernodal and Sergeant Slaughter. Uh, Tim did uh, the majority of the work on these. So Tim, why don't you get us, get us going here on the Sergeant Kernodal? Well, as I've, as I've mentioned when they were announced, I mean, I, I had been uh, back in the, uh, you know, before the Peacock days, I had been watching a lot of mid-Atlantic stuff from 83 on the network and uh, was really just going through and, and trying to put together drafts uh, for, for some 
you know, not, not any specific bootlegs to be released, just internal stuff for me. Uh, and just trying to put together cards uh, because it was during that whole Slaughter and Kernodal versus Steamboat and Youngblood feud. And uh, I just really enjoyed uh, the, the work in the ring with Slaughter and Kernodal. I thought they were great. So I was just trying to throw some stuff together. And I had Kernodal's card pretty much done. And I don't think his really changed too much from my original draft at all. Uh, that 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 I had in the uh, that that I had taken care of, you know, earlier. So then, when when I found out we got slaughter, I was initially thinking, well, we got to do a face card and we got to do a heel card, uh, except that his moveset didn't really change much between the two. And I had originally on his uh, on the Mid Atlantic card, which kind of took into to account his run, uh, his heel run in, in WWF uh, against Backland and that as as well. Um, you know, I put it, I put the two out of the rings on there and I was like, well, you know, maybe we got to change that now. Maybe we just make it one with a C or maybe we just make it straight out of the ring. But then I started watching matches of him as a, as a baby face. And it seems like he's always the kind of guy that gets matched up against the, you know, the evil foreign heel. And so he was tossing people out of the ring left and right. He's an, even as a baby face. So he's one of those fight fire with fire type guys. So, uh, so we talked about it briefly and decided to leave it on there. And then it was just kind of updating the move set. So it was more reflective of his, his, his you know, his run as a, a baby face as well. Uh, in, in addition to his, his heel runs in uh, WWF and then uh, uh, and, and then mid Atlantic. So a lot of fun putting those guys together. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought, uh, you know, Werner did a good job. Um, the only thing I, I think that, that I, I probably would have changed is, you know, both of these guys are wearing t-shirts, but they're not wearing uncharted territory t-shirts, which I, I don't know why we can't throw that on the cards. I mean, it just would have been fantastic to have both of those guys. I think it really would speak well to their careers uh, instead of the pride of the Carolinas, boom, uncharted territory. Then maybe you got one doing the Ramones-esque one and one doing the one with the logo. I mean, it would have just been fantastic. You could have matched those guys. You could done special edition cards for Koloff and Orton. Oh, oh my gosh. What an I opportunity mean, you think about, we missed. You know, and, and all, you know, and everybody should get one of these shirts too, because then, then, you know, if Slaughter and Kernodal can't pull it off, by God, you guys can. And so all you got to do, it's simple. You just go to tkostore.com. That's T-E-E-K-O store.com. And boom, we're right there. We're under other because we can't be quantified, man. We can't be put in a, in, in, in a bucket. Well, we, I guess we, if, if it was a big bucket, I guess we could be put in a bucket, but we're like not a, being put a bucket, in a bucket of chicken. Yeah. Bucket, ooh, mm, I, I, could, I could go for yum. a bucket of chicken, yeah. but I just, you know, I, I think that that would have made the cards even better. Uh, but other than that, I, I thought, uh, I, I thought they were, it was just, a, it was a fun project and I really enjoyed working on those. You know, I just noticed something. Sarge has his t-shirt under his singlet. Whereas Kernodal has his yep. shirt over. So based over. on that, I would say we put the Ramones on Sarge because the circle would fit with between the single yes. straps a little I better. Like that. And then Kernodal could wear the one with, with our, our logo and the fabulous trim. And maybe he could tuck that artwork. necklace in so that it wouldn't cover any of our faces. Yeah, right. Because right, right. right now, I think it's right over me. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Corey really being held swinging on the disco ball like a yeah. fucking Miley Cyrus video. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Studio 54. <laughs> uh, you know, I think you did a really good job, Tim, uh, on both of these guys. Um, like you said, you know, Sarge, uh, 
could be a face or a heel and you did a great job where that card could be representative of either time uh you know the double out of the rings like you mentioned you know sarge got dq'd a lot you know uh, to avoid doing jobs <laughs> and and things like that or to build up a rematch and a specialty match or something like that so that's a that's a way that you can get him to uh possibly be dq'd more often and when he was uh, a heel, he got DQ'd a lot. And when he was yeah. a face, because he's fighting all the foreign menaces, he'd get right. DQ'd a lot. Yeah. Because he'd come back and start beating the crap out of them and wouldn't want to wouldn't want to relent. So yep. Yep. Um, so it made sense. Yeah, absolutely. And I like how Kernodal's card uh, can be with any of his uh, regular partners, uh, Sarge, Ivan, or or uh, Bob Orton. Um, I like the uh, the the double team move that you did on level two offense number six where it can be a couple of different things we did something like that with the valiant brothers in color mm -hmm. um, I really like that as far as you know seeing uh, which of the moves he does so yeah very very good job on these two yeah and I thought uh, I thought slaughter mm -hmm. too he warranted that the, the plus three on the finish yes. because I mean, oh, he yeah. always totally. won with the I mean yeah you know you want to give the plus threes and the plus fours and the you know the the big numbers to guys that always won with that finish and I mean mm -hmm. he always won with the Cobra clutch. I mean, yeah. if he was doing something, that was what he was going to finish people with. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. It was a good call. Uh, Chad, obviously you have a lot of memories of Sergeant Slaughter, but uh, thoughts on Sarge or Cronodal. Well, I, I remember, maybe we talked about this on the, the episode he was announced, but Tim said, Oh, I think we might need a face card. I'm like, Nope, Nope. Yep. <laughs> he, he never ever won uh, cleanly in the AWA, uh, except that, I mean, like everybody said, he, him or Zabisco would dis get disqualified when they're feuding over the America's title. Mm -hmm. Him or Boris Zukov would get DQ'd. You know, him against Hansen for the AWE world title. There are three huge feuds I just named off for you fans that you can create in the Legends of Wrestling game. Absolutely. Um, I'm super looking forward to doing Sergeant Slaughter, Stan Hansen matches because that was a kind of a quick and underrated feud. They, I think they only mm -hmm. kind of feuded about three months. But I know they it culminated in the bunkhouse match, which I'm fairly sure certain Hanson had to have won, mm -hmm. um, unless they did a DQ schmazzola, and this is Vern Gagne booking. And uh, <laughs> you know, some people said, "Oh, I'd like an Iraqi sympathizer, Sergeant Slaughter." It's like, I mean, no. I don't I see mean, that because he's going to be worse. It's going right. to be a worse card. That's a good point. Um, he'd be, he'd definitely be slower. I mean, you got to give the atomic noogie a plus two. You can't make it a plus three. That's well, what I, I, I he think was doing too. I mean, our our philosophy that, that's been supported by you know the, the people that actually make money off this game uh, has been when you're doing a card, do the prime. You know, they're when they're in their physical prime when they were at their best because mm -hmm. that's the card we want to we want to get out there first. Yeah. Um, you know, we did it with Andre where we didn't mm -hmm. do like the, you know, WrestleMania Andre, which I know a lot of people wanted because that's what they remembered, but that wasn't his, you know, prime time, you know, yeah. when he was a worldwide superstar. Yeah. Um, sure. you know, and there have been other other guys that have come along and, and that that's always kind of the goal is do do what was their their best time so we mm -hmm. get their best card out there. Yep. Great call. And and Corey, what were you starting to say about the atomic noogie? Did he do that and the can did he do one yeah, he did, clutch? He, he did the noogie, I think, for maybe the just the first couple of months of that run and then switched to the camel clutch. Um for you know, I mean, when he won when he won the title, I mean right. that was that was uh that time frame until he turned back face. Yeah. So okay. so that's I mean, that's the thing, promoters. You want to do a Reiki 
sympathizer slaughter. I mean, I suppose just swap out the Cobra clutch for the Noogie or the Camel clutch. I mean, and drop it down. Yeah, yeah, I'd make that a, probably a plus two, and I'd make um, his agility a plus one or a plus two. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. But then, then you can have him feud with mutant over, nice. over who does the best Temple Grinder slash Atomic Noogie. Yes, absolutely. and as for Cornodal, I really like how his card came out, and you mm-hmm. know, it's, it's got a lot of great tag stuff on there. Yeah, and he is going to be such a utility guy, whether it's with Sergeant Slaughter, whether it's with Ivan Koloff, whether it's with Bob Orton, or whether it's not Rocky Cornodal. Molesky, I'm not scared of you anymore. I'm taking you down. We signed Rocky Cornodal. Mike did. And he'll be out sometime to team with his brother, Don Cornodal. Yes. Spoilers for everyone here on Uncharted (laughs) Territory. I've heard that he that card won't be released, but we may get a Keith Larson card. (laughs) Oh, what the hell? Shenanigans. Oh. Yeah, um, I mean, I don't have too much more to add. You know, as I said, Tim did a really good job on these two. Um, you know, one thing I will add, a, a story I heard either read it in the Observer or might have been on one of the Observer podcasts. There was talk um, when Cronodal and Ivan Koloff split up and Cronodal went back to a baby face. They had, uh, I don't know how serious the talks were, but they uh, thought about bringing Slaughter back to Jim Crockett Promotions and doing them as a face team to feud with the Russians. Um, so that's something you could you could do now, you know, have them feud with uh, Ivan and any of the Russians that we have in the game, if you want to, you know, little little fantasy booking things that didn't didn't actually come true. But just a thought there, I thought we thought that would have been interesting to see how that played out, given the history of that team as a heel team in the Carolinas, right. um, how that how that would have worked out uh, with Slaughter being so popular at that time. So or these a, two against Sheik and Volkov. There you go. Yeah, absolutely. Plenty of possibilities there, promoters. So. All right, so this is a this is a really cool set to put together. Glad we could get another Tragos set in, and uh, I think you know I don't don't want to spoil too much like Chad does, but you know we probably got another set coming in 2023, and some big names we weren't able to release this year. Uh, as I said, uh, 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 Dan Spivey was a last minute replacement for, and so uh, you know we've still got some names, and hopefully with our Jerry Briscoe connection, maybe get a, a few new names signed in the next year as well. But these sets have been a great, great series to do, and hope your promoters enjoy them. Let us know in the discussion board your favorites and uh, any other thoughts on the set. All right, uh, well we're getting uh, to the end of uh, this episode for this week, so we'll go and do our shoutouts. Tim, shoutouts for this week. Really nothing this week. I mean, uh, I, I, I did the park golf update early, so um, nothing, nothing new to report, I guess. And uh, just want to thank everyone for listening. Uh, it's greatly appreciated. I hope that when people get these, I hope they comment on the, the board. Sometimes now, it, you know, you don't hear enough about once they get the set, they, they may talk about what they might plan on doing with people, but they don't really share their comments on the cards like, you know, I really like this guy because I like the setup. I don't like the setup, you know? Um, so I hope we get a little bit more of that, but, um, other than that, I mean, uh, uh, just, uh, hope that everybody's, everybody's well, and we will talk to you next week. Thank you, Tim. Uh, Chad, shout out to, I know you've got a, another uh, story to share with us about your uh, trip to Austin. So the floor is yours. I have a litany of bullet points to go over. So first of all, thanks everybody took time to comment on episode number 89. TK, Malice Lover, Matt, Kevin the Butcher, DK2, Pete Beck. Congratulations on your first grandbaby, Pete. Hope all is going well for for the family and for the baby. Uh, 
Pete. Uh, yep, we're very super happy for you. Pete Fusco, MT Emperor Scott the Flash Norton, who will be at the TNT Hall of Fame, and he's bringing his brother, who apparently has been a longtime player, but smartly enough, never got involved with the community. He must be a very wise man. Uh, Rob, Pariah, and Vegas. And uh, speaking of Rob, I do have a story uh, from my trip in Austin that I forgot to tell. Maybe I told you guys over text or something, but Rob had a comment about a, a blow-up doll um, based on Tim's t-shirt promo on Kevin the Butcher a couple weeks ago. And I said, well, I got another story kind of related to that. So when I was at the uh, Blind Pig Pub, which was on 6th Street, which was in the video that Corey showed and i saw the the footage of the blind pig and it reminded me of this there was a claw machine and i've spoke before about my affinity of claw machines this claw machine was stocked with sex toys never seen anything like it didn't play because it wouldn't fit my carry-on so i just kept walking don't even know how much it costs usually like to see how much claw machine costs but nope 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 um, yeah, yeah, sure. That vibrating noise I'm hearing in the background, I'm sure that has nothing to do with anything that may have my, come out of the claw machine. It's my beard trimmer. <laughs> Duh. Um, and then also regarding Rotundo's guillotine, if anybody needs a demonstration at Galacticon or the TNT Hall of Fame, I'd be happy to show you that move, put you in it, give you a little bit of a, a little stretch in your uh, shoulder. And then I just, uh, another item, oddly enough, that popped up on my Facebook memories today was five years ago was the first time I met Corey's daughters. Oh, and nice. we went to the zoo because there was a picture of the Minnesota Zoo where I was savagely attacked by a goat. That's right. A goat feeding pen. And I had my hands full of goat food because I love feeding goats. And this one fucking goat jumped the other pile and hit me in the balls with a flying headbutt. He did. It did. And, I, and I'm trying not to lose my mind in front of his young daughters and scare them or anything. I'm like, oh. So, um, because in the picture, I'm still in the goat pen, but I have my left hand kind of hanging down by my waist. And I think it was to defend myself should another goat try to headbutt me in the balls. Yes. And then there was another picture from that from the night we went to the Twins game. And you go yes. to a Minnesota Twins game in July, beautiful outdoor stadium. Yeah, we were sitting on first baseline, so it was freezing because the sun went yeah. down. So I had to spend $50 on a freaking Minnesota Twins blanket that I only let myself use. I don't let my children use it because it was so cold. Yeah. That's all my stories. That's all I got. Thank Very you for good. listening. Be excellent to each other and be cool. All right. Thank you, Chad. Yes, I do remember that Twins game being very cold for, for July. The way that stadium's built, uh, it's kind of it just yeah the sun going down and everything it was it was cold for a july night so i, I usually see. like when i go to a baseball stadium i scope out which side i want to sit on so the sun's not in my eyes but it never occurred to me how big of a shadow would be on first baseline and how cold it yeah. was so yep but it was also star wars night remember that that's right i had forgotten but yes i remember now yes all right well thank you chad for those great comments and memories all right, uh, I'll give some uh, attention here to our fellow Filsinger Games content providers. Of course, Sam, Mike, and Todd over at Roll Up, the official podcast of Filsinger Games. Grandpa Choco and his solo promoter YouTube channel. Steve Tower at After Further Review. Dave Little at Heartland Championship Wrestling. Lee Longpree in the Dizzy Dice Podcast. Brock Atkinson at Brockster Builds, as well as Brock and Mike's Filsinger Games Character Spotlight. So thank you, everybody, uh, for putting out such great material. And uh, following this segment, I will be putting in uh, some of our previously 
recorded uh, discussions of the TNT Hall of Fame stats and uh, some of the things we went through, some of the things we discussed uh, in uh, making this, uh, this great set of cards. I know those are very popular segments among our listeners, so uh, you'll get to hear some more behind the scenes from our Legends meetings, a couple of different segments here that we'll put in at the end. And otherwise, I hope that uh, everybody enjoyed Galacticon, and uh, we'll be back next week with another set review, uh, and uh, look forward to seeing many of you in Waterloo very soon. So thanks, everybody, for clicking, listening, and downloading. All right, I'm looking at this Anoki. Hard open hand slap. Mm-hmm. Uh, arm breaker, diving knee drop, belly to back suplex, bow and arrow. What's with the Cobra twist? Oh, nice. I like it. I, I like how he did that. That's, like that makes it. sense. I don't like it. I like it. Make him a little tougher on offense on defense mm-hmm. on level one. Yeah. Tougher on offense on level one. Level two, he loses the move, give him a tougher finisher, and then the potential for a 50. I like it. Yeah, because isn't let's see, let me scroll over. Yeah, the Enzigiri went up. Right. And then the Cobra's right. got like the hidden octopus. Cobra and the octopus. Henry with the pin of six three. Hmm. What's that? I was looking at Henry's pin. Mm-hmm. I know I kind of went back and forth. You know, mm-hmm. I, I thought seven four because it's kind of the big guy thing, but oh no, I wouldn't go that high. Okay. Were you thinking even like five two or maybe, maybe. Okay. That's just yeah. the first, 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 first. Sure, sure. First. So one. Shamrock, what other suplexes did he do besides the belly to belly since we have a belly to belly on there? Um, he did the fisherman's. Mm. He did I did a separate tab just for his moves. Okay. Oh, um, there they are under Shamrock yeah. moves. Mm-hmm. He did. He did a back suplex a lot. He did okay. do. He did a German suplex once. That I thought he might have done that more. Um, but Chad, so he did. Yeah, he did those. He did a Northern Light suplex. Um, he do a, a regular vertical suplex too. So. Right. Well, no, that, that's okay. Yep. So that's why. I'm like, ah, oh, let's throw them all in there. And both he and Henry, I gave the death jump of A because they both hit their finishers when a guy tried to death jump. <laughs> So yeah. I'm like, oh, that just you know worked worked out well. That's fine. Mm-hmm. My only thought on Henry is he needed to be tweaked ever so slightly up, but I just okay. My... Yeah, I yeah, because I'm like maybe lower his pin. Yeah, you do that. That would work. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, it's not a major tweak. It's just yeah. I don't know no, what it is. But... Kind of like a kitty twister. <laughs> um, I'm good with it. Well, and that's the thing too, because like Shamrock's got a pin of six three, and I think I think Kernodal did. Um, so I'm trying to you know do the the nerd sheet thing and switch it up a bit. Um. Okay, so we've just been reviewing some stats here, I like Anoki, I like Shamrock, uh, Stewart, and I thought maybe Henry could be a lot, maybe drop the pin to five two, which looks like Corey did. Um, and I want to keep his cage the same because when he was world champ, he beat Randy Orton in a hell in a cell. So just a little nerd thing like that. What, um, I mean, what did you guys think about Anoki and and slaughter? Those are the ones that I was a little bit concerned about. Yeah. I just, I like Anoki. Yeah. Um, I I mean, I changed him. You know, he didn't seem like a level two offense three type guy to me. Yeah. 
And so I said, well, you know, let me take something, put it up on level one, throw an agility on it. Because when you look at it, he didn't really struggle against powerful guys. Right. No. Because he beat the big, he beat all the big guys. He beat the mm. Brodies and all those guys. Andre. Yeah. Andre, you know, so, I mean, that was kind of his thing, but, but the, the matches he would lose would be against the really athletic, you know, regular size guys. Mm. Yeah. So I figured I'll, I'd throw the agility reversal on there and, and let him win most of those. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, it, it, it kind of made sense, but I don't know if he's strong enough. I, I think bumping up the enziguri is going to help. Yeah. And I think, so the, the pin. In the Cobra he, twist thing, I figured, you know, it's an abdominal stretch yep. that he could turn into the octopus easily. Yeah, enough. Yes, no, I, I love that. Right. I, so I thought that was a nice, you know, yeah. kind and, of an option. The one thing, like his pin, I know it was four one in, in COTG online. I don't think it wasn't on his. It was card. five two on. That's what card. I thought. Yeah, that's yep. what I thought. So, so this will be if people didn't ever use the online version. Now this will both will have it. You know. Okay. So. I mean, I, I that I was concerned about that, and then I was concerned a little bit about slaughter just with the move set because he did so much. I yeah. mean. Yeah. He did like a bunch of different suplexes. He did the vertical suplex a lot, which I would have liked to get on there, but where, Mm -hmm. I mean, it it was just a struggle to kind of get his signature stuff on there, you know? Yeah. Do you think, I mean, do you think he used that backbreaker more than the vertical suplex or? Sarge? Yeah. Yeah. It it could go either way. I mean, it could go either. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I have I that mean, gut buster on there. Yeah, the gut, oh, the yeah. gut buster. Yeah, do, I wanted that on there. But, but he'd also do the backbreaker. Okay. Yeah, he'd do the backbreaker drop. You know, where mm-hmm. he'd, he'd do like the the side thing into the backbreaker, and um, so I don't know. I mean, it's one of those where if one of them was on the card and the other one wasn't, I wouldn't feel bad either way. Mm-hmm. But I guess that we could that, that can be a a later call if we want to. But I think it's I. I mean, the pile driver thing that was on a couple bootlegs that I saw. And I'm like, when did he ever use a fucking pile driver? No, I don't remember. I don't remember him doing that move much ever. Yeah. No. Okay. And maybe I it was just somebody was looking for a level three move and figured that's a good one for him because yeah. God knows we've never done that in the past. Right. So. right. Yeah, but with Sergeant Slaughter, you can find moves. <laughs> yeah. 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 There's plenty of sauce, Sabisco. And and it's, it's like, you know, and I was watching his. 83 mid-atlantic stuff too mm-hmm. primarily to get the formatting of the card mm-hmm. and that's how that's why i had the two out of the rings because he was tossing guys constantly back mm-hmm. then sure so and i figured you know he had some, had some success later on in battle royals too yeah that's oh yeah it's yeah. like yeah, yeah. two free birds yep two, two free birds at once yep but i mean i just didn't know if that we should we should maybe shit can that if we're doing like a you know, uh, uh, like an all-encompassing card for him, you know, Chad. So now, did I, he I don't do a double foot stomp a lot? I saw him do it in like two or three matches. Okay, that I watched. Okay, I um, mean, I, I can get rid of that. I mean, that's not maybe that could be a spot for the vertical suplex. Well, that's or... what I was kind of wondering. Okay, yeah. but, what, but what do I have? What do I have that as? Do I have it as a two move? No, you have it. You have it on three number one. But the suplex would be good there too. You know. Yeah. I mean, it was one of those where I think I was trying to put some, I, I always try on, on level three, number one, I always try to 
put a move on there that you would do to a downed opponent. Right. Makes sense. Yeah. Right. You know, but then with Anoki, I had like 17 moves that he did to downed opponents. And I'm like, well, right. fuck, I can't, you know, what am I going to yeah. do? Yeah. Right. So there's some, there's some license on his, his poetic license on his card for level one, level two for their moves that were done to downed opponents. So. Right. But yeah, I have no problem. The, the double foot stomp, I wouldn't have a problem taking that off and putting the vertical suplex there. Sure. And, and I mean, I think it is. I mean, I don't feel like his style changed whether he was a good guy or a bad guy. Not a, no, not a lot uh, in the, the so, stuff I saw. I mean, he wouldn't he wouldn't really. I mean, unless it was like stuff with the Iron Sheik or he was fighting like a hated foreign guy, he mm. wouldn't break out the riding crop and and like hit right. the riding crop yeah. anymore. But I mean, that's um, he, he did that a lot and as a heel. And, and I mean, that can be done on the out of the ring if he's got two out of yeah, the rings, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I kind of like him having the two out of the rings because, you know, looking at the guys in the set, who else is going to have that? Yeah, we don't have much of that to begin with, with yeah, this yeah. set. So right. that, I think that's a distinguishing factor. And I, I mean, he, say, did, he did get DQ'd a lot. Oh, sorry. No, yeah, he ahead. did get DQ'd a lot. I yeah. just can say, even as a good guy, he got DQ'd a lot. Right. Yes, yeah. he did. Yep. Oh, so the, sorry, the two, two out of the rings can help that. Sorry, yeah. Stu. And I wanted to make the Cobra, Cobra Clutch a plus three because, you like know, those, those finishers that guys always freaking win with yeah. you know i mean even if you even if you've got to get like, like say you got a guy like an ivan putsky who always won with the polish hammer hammer right i mean it's not like he was winning with you know cradle you know he might win with a schoolboy or stuff something like that but he that, that was, yeah yeah <laughs> Sky Twister Press, right. um, <laughs> but but he was one of those guys that always won. He was one of the first guys, really, that I saw always win with the same move all the time mm-hmm. when he would win. Um, so that that's one that you know. Then you just decrease the strength level and other shit on his card to kind of make up for it. But mm-hmm. um, but I mean, guys like that, I, I try to make those finishers i try to put those finishers over strong like hansen with the lariat and you know stuff like that so i don't know yeah no, that, makes that was sense. my thought on slaughter i think slaughter he's a good works. a good guy good guy to have a plus three i do have a question yep for um and i i, st- I had this question before i looked at kernodo's card the third starts with the throat drop on top rope um right do you do that a lot in singles because then it's also a tag move on Kernodal and it's not a but it's not a one. Um, you know? Okay. I, um so I'm sorry, give so give give that to me again. So Sarge has throat drop on top rope three. Okay. And then Kernodal off his double team. Oh, I got it. I got it. He's off his double team move. Yeah, and it's mm. it I'm wondering, did Sarge do it enough in singles that he should have that? Um, he did. Okay. He did then, a lot. Then maybe on the on the Pernodal one, should we make that five six and add one move? I have no problem with that because like that. to me, right? You're you're showing that it's how can it be the same strength? Yeah. Doing it as a double. Team? Yeah, and I said it's an and it's only you know one. Yeah, and it's still a third of the time. One in three chance. Yeah. So that makes sense. Makes him a little tougher. I could. I could. Yeah. I could. I could dig that. Yeah, because they should, they should. And he can do that move with other guys too. So I mean, that oh, makes yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a generic enough move that 
Yeah. Okay. I thought because the one the one thing that was on Kernodals was wasn't don't I have and I don't have the thing up. I'm sorry, but um, don't I have like a throw into top rope or something like that? He would grab, he would grab yep. the guy and like throw his throat, like right into the top row, yep. but he wasn't doing like the next snap or he wasn't doing the drop on the top. Right. He would just throw him right into it. Okay. I remember seeing a few guys do that. And I always thought that was pretty cool because yeah. not a lot of people do that. Mm-hmm. Right. Kernodal. I mean, you go back and, and watching those matches, it's like, God damn, that guy could go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, he could. You know, I mean, he was, he was really, he just didn't have, you know, he just, and, and he wasn't, I mean, he had heel heat up in, up in Toronto. I know that. Oh. Um, but I mean, he was one of those guys. I mean, I don't know if it was just because he was a little bit smaller or maybe wasn't a good talker, but holy cow, he could, he could go in the ring. That's for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. And the atomic bomb is the picks. He picks the guy up in the back suplex and his partner comes off with a clothesline, right? The tag yeah. finish. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Because he did that with Ivan and with Sarge, I know. I could see him doing that with Orton. That makes. I was going to say, why sense. wouldn't he do it with Orton, especially if Orton yeah. had a cast on? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, I I thought that that looked good. I I I haven't. I looked over the state, Corey. I looked over your stats for Shamrock, which I mm-hmm. thought were fine. Okay. Um. Um. I I didn't I didn't look at Henry. I'll 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 take a look at that probably tomorrow. Okay. And if I do have any. Thing of note i will let you know okay sounds good um and i thought penny banner looked good Nothing, oh. not much to yeah say i didn't there. change her around too i tried to make yeah. her a little bit stronger i tried to make her comparable a little underneath moolah mm-hmm. um her card looks a lot like debbie combs as far i think or not debbie combs um candy divine candy divine thank you mm-hmm. i think they both have a zero and a plus one uh finish but i, I think Overall, I mean, I think she's on, on you know, maybe a, maybe a, a notch above her. She should um, be, I think. Yeah, but but yeah. but but I mean, it's not. It's close. Right. I mean, it's right. close because their cards are kind of similar. Right. Um, and their stats are kind of similar, but um, but I think Mildred Burke and and Mula would still beat her probably. You know, statistically, would beat her two out of three. Sure. And Stu, if you need um. You were, I know you had said earlier something about Henry's bio kind of lacking a little bit. Well, I just I, can't use a lot of the modern stuff. I just can't use. Well, I'm finding a lot of guys, even from WWE, that are in Legends that I forgot he either wrestled or teamed with or something. So I can, if you need more, let me know. I I could, I, I've got it to a decent link, but I'd like to flesh it out a little bit with more uh, possible opponents. So whatever you have, I'll take it. Yeah, off the top of my head, he he fought Finley a lot. Okay, I don't have him. Okay, yeah, that was they had a, they had a good little feud there. Okay, and one one thing we'll probably need to do on Kernodals is just t- on on level two number six. Mm-hmm. Uh, take the the designation like the three off of there and just make a double team move. I already did. A- a- okay, asterisk yep. and then <laughs> yeah, I put it I, to the ed one. Okay. I left tag, but I'll ask Mike like. I mean, because I, you know what, I'm going to take tag off because I put tag on all the possible moves below. Okay. So then I'll you're, just put yeah. double team move asterisk. Asterisk. So, asterisk. That open hand slap on Anoki was a late addition. I, I had like snap mirror or something on there for that. And, like then that. and then I saw him like, you know, yep. doing some stuff and, I, and I'm like, you got to have that on freaking Anoki. Yes. Start, no, you know, that, so I like, think that I, was a nice touch. 
I remember I, I wish I'm, we would have had it on the first card too. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. And I apologize for not mixing up the defenses and stuff, but I was just trying to get an idea where we oh, were. Oh, that's fine. We can do it. I can. That's, that's not a heavy lift though, I would think. No. And I'll throw in a few thoughts on Rotunda. I'm just, um, I've got him pretty much kind of laid out at least offensively, but. Yeah, we definitely have to have the rope assisted domino stretch. Yep, I got that on there already. Oh yeah, there you go. I put I put with leverage because sometimes you do it with his tag team partner. Yeah, that makes sense. So that way it could kind of be either or. Uh huh. Uh huh. Up to you, promoter. I'd probably have him at zero zero or maybe minus one zero. That's. I mean, I was thinking like for his his U.S. Express card, maybe minus one zero, and then just make him zero zero for this, just to differentiate him a little bit. I would make him minus one plus one. For the U.S. Express, yeah, or maybe even minus two plus one. Sure, that yeah, that makes sense. I know. Um, maybe put that. You could put that airplane spin on move three choice E. I was thinking about that. I wanted to make sure that he actually used it as Captain Mike as the heel. Yeah. Um, I, I, I looking at, at looking at results when he first joined Sullivan, like the first couple of matches, he won with it. But then, then they kind of transitioned to the butterfly suplex. See, I didn't remember him doing that. But I mean, I don't remember. I remember him wrestling in the varsity, but I don't remember what his finisher was. Yeah. So. And um, like watching them as a couple, just watched a couple matches with him and Steiner teaming up, mm-hmm. like very early on, early '88. And they, um, Steiner puts the guy in like a, it's not quite the guillotine, almost like a reverse half nelson and submits it and and sometimes in those tag matches rotunda would do the butterfly suplex but then he wouldn't go for the pin um but then looking at singles results against jobbers he won with the butterfly so and that guillotine hold he won a couple matches in early 89 with that by submission spivey um yeah i mean you had him pretty good the first time Ted, but i just kind of rearranged things you moved two moves around you dingus (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So the tilt a whirl, he did like the the typical tilt a whirl slam. Yeah. He also did a tilt a whirl into a tombstone. Oh yeah. Um, and then one time he even did the tilt a whirl, but then caught the guy and did like a shoulder power slam. So mm-hmm. kind of left it general. You could kind of choose which one you want to do. It's yeah. a tilt a whirl thing. Yeah. Right. Um, that bear hug. He won some of the early varsity club matches with that. Yep. But then I figured, well, you know, that can just Can you be... imagine somebody winning a match with a bear hug right now? I mean, imagine what the crowd would the crowd would go freaking ballistic. Mm-hmm. Um, so I figured that could just be on the choice, and you know, if he beats a jobber with it or something. Um, I saw him use that razor's edge three times, and I, that's the dangerous drop on the choice G. Um, I just figured that, you know nobody in legends that i can think of has that so i thought right. kind of a unique move is there i mean is there a real name for it Nah, i mean like i think they call it crucifix slam i was going to look up to see like look at scott hall's you know profile and see how they define razor's edge because i would a, almost isn't a die hard? what's that i thought it was called a die hard oh really well some japanese woman did it and it was called a die hard wasn't it Oh, okay. Or is that a different match? Different move, I mean. I don't know. I, I don't know. 
I don't know. I can I'll I'll Google it and see what I what I come up with. But yeah, I mean, in, instead of just throwing it on there, you know, I, I mean, I, if the, if there is a name for it, I mean, we're going to have to explain it anyway. So well, yeah, I mean, we'll we'll have Stu explain it in the handbook, but it's all on Stu. He's not on yet, so yep, we can blame him. There you go. So, um, the DDT, a couple of websites called it the Spivey Spike, and I was watching some mm-hmm. All Japan. Mm-hmm. And it sounded like the announcers were talking about that. It's I thought I heard the word spivey spike a few times. Mm-hmm. Not when he actually did the move, but they kept saying that. So um, so I thought about just using that name. And then the um the sidewalk slam. So he won a couple matches with that in the varsity club. And that's like the you know, the you're facing away from the opponent. But he also did the like the boss man slam type where you're facing him. So, so, I, I, so Wiki defines the razor's edge as a crucifix power bomb. Crucifix power bomb. Okay. Yeah. So we just call it that. Okay, that's fine. And is and I and looking at Tim's nerd sheet, nobody had the twenty one twenty one defense. Uh huh. So I gave I kind of I rearranged his level one from his original card a little bit and gave him that. So. Hey, I had a question, another question on Shamrock. Um, how prevalent was the thing where he would like snap and go crazy? Um, I'd say. I guess only because do we need to come up with some kind of freaking gimmick on the card for that? Or do we just say the hell with it? See, that's why I gave him a DQ of five. Um, right. I would say in most cases, it was just like he got DQ'd. And. I mean, it wasn't really like a huge angle or anything that came out of it. It was just like, hey, he's going crazy and the officials have to pull him off. It wasn't like an injury or suspension, yeah. you know. So when he when he feuded with Rocky for the IC title um, at WrestleMania that year, the one where Austin won the belt for the first time, he he beat he had beaten Rocky with the ankle lock and won the title, but then wouldn't release it. Yeah, and they did a reverse decision DQ. <laughs> And, um, I mean, I thought about doing, you know, doing something off the ankle lock, kind of like we did with, um, Bobby Shane and the Japanese sleeper, but I don't know. I mean, it wasn't that Maybe we just put something in the bio that he's, you know, sometimes yeah. the temper will flare and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Do we want to, yeah, and I think I, and I, I mentioned too, I went back to Penny Banner and I, I changed her choice E to a choice D, but then we had a yep. bunch of choice D's and I was like, ah, shit. So yeah. I changed it back to an E. Yep. Sounds good. And um, I mean, I thought about doing, you know, doing something off the ankle lock, kind of like we did with um, Bobby Shane and the Japanese sleeper, but I don't know. I mean, it wasn't that. Maybe we just put something in the bio that he's, you know, sometimes yeah. the temper will flare and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Do we want to, no, nah, never mind. I was going to say, do we want to do something like start him at a DQ of four, right? Like he starts out at a DQ of four, but then if you, if you piss him off, then he goes to a DQ of five. If, if, if the opponent uses like illegal tactics or something like that, his DQ goes up to five because he's got a hot temper. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Ruminate. I, I don't know if it's a big yeah. enough part of his thing that yeah. we need to worry about it, to be honest. Yeah. That's, you know, that's what I debated too. You know, it's, it's like, yes, it happened, but a lot of times it was kind of just to avoid him doing a job. <laughs> yeah. It, you know, it didn't always lead to much. So, okay. No, that's fine. 
no, it's it, but I, yeah, it's a good question because I thought about it too. So, yeah, I, I just, I, I was thinking about that, you know, I, cause I thought about the Juji thing and I was like, mm-hmm. okay, well, you know, and I figured, you know, but that was early on when he first started there and I don't think yeah. he did it for that long. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to at least bring it up because I didn't yep. see it on the card and I figured, okay, he probably, that wasn't probably a big part of his thing. No. And I, I was looking to see, you know, how often he even used like a, like a cross arm breaker and even that, not a lot. Um, he do like the Fujiwara armbar as a takedown into the ankle lock sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise he didn't do a lot of like arm bars, at least as like a big a big move. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cause I knew he did that when he started and I was like, yeah, I said that could have been just a thing. So I, I wanted yeah. to bring that up. But then I, then I thought about the thing where he would like snap and mm-hmm. go crazy and all that shit. And I was like, okay, do we need to do anything with that? But yeah, that's why I gave him the DQ of five. Yeah. I don't really, I mean, it, it's not a big deal. Yeah. And I think I, and I, I mentioned too, I went back to Penny Banner and I, I changed her choice E to a choice D, but then we had a yep. bunch of choice D's and I was like, ah, shit. So I changed it back to an E. Yep. Sounds good. Hey, promoters, it's Corey again, and we would love to hear from you. Please send us your questions, topic suggestions, or any other comments, and we might include your audio in a future episode of Uncharted Territory. There's two ways you can do it. You can go to tinyurl.com backslash u-n-c-t-e-r again tinyurl.com backslash u-n-c-t-e-r you can click the message button and record up to a one minute message and we can include that in a future episode or you can email us either audio or a written question at our email address utpodcast2020 at gmail.com again utpodcast2020 at gmail.com Want to show your friends that you listen to Uncharted Territory? Well, head on over to our store at tkostore.com slash collection slash uncharted hyphen territory. You can choose from a shirt or hoodie with Travis Heckle's great podcast cover artwork or a shirt with a design inspired by one of our favorite bands. While there, check out the other great merchandise at TKO, including shirts of several of the top MMA fighters, including Bigfoot Silva, Tim Sylvia, Ensign Inouye, and more. Need a shirt made for your event or organization? Contact TKO, run by Filsinger Games promoter Justin Bulka, a.k.a. Pike Mojo, to place your order. Again, that's TKOstore.com, T-E-E-K-O-Store.com. The 2022 George Tragos Luthez Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame Induction Weekend takes place July 22nd through the 24th in Waterloo, Iowa. Come see many of the legends of wrestling and the future stars of the sport. This year's Hall of Fame inductees include former WWF Tag Team Champion and NWA TV Champion Mike Rotunda and seven-time WWE Women's Champion Trish Stratus. Other honorees include legendary wrestling announcer good old JR Jim Ross as well as dangerous Danny Spivey. In addition to honoring these wrestling legends, a great card of wrestling action will be presented on Friday night at the Five Sullivan Brothers Center by Impact Pro Wrestling. See stars in action such as Too Cold Scorpio, Cold Cabana, Wes Briscoe, 
the current ROH Heavyweight Champion Jonathan Gresham, Jeremy Wyatt, and the stars of IPW such as James Jeffries, Bryce Jordan, Justin Deason, AJ Smooth, and more. Meet legends such as J.J. Dillon, Jerry Briscoe, Rock Riddle, Thunderbolt Patterson, Baron Von Raschke, Joe Malenko, JBL, John Nord, and referee James Beard. Also meet legendary wrestling coach and American wrestler Dan Gable. Get autographs from these stars in one of the most fan-friendly wrestling fan fests around. There will be several podcast interviews throughout the weekend, plus plenty of Phil Singer Games action, as the third TNT Hall of Fame set will be released, as well as the first IPW set. Phil Singer Games tournaments will take place on Friday afternoon as well. For all access passes, call 319-233-0745 or visit the link in the podcast notes. That's 319-233-0745. The George Tragos Luthes Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame Induction Weekend, July 22nd through the 24th in Waterloo, Iowa. I'll see you in Waterloo. professional wrestling book um about women's wrestling history that uh dan johnson and uh pat uh, fuck hello is it me you're looking for happened after dark with Corey. Well, it's oh, it's I, my cart. <laughs> I don't know why i'm talking about Troy peterson what i don't know why i'm talking about like Troy peterson put rutabagas in my cart Oh, it's zestas and sausage. <laughs> I need some zestas. They're out of zestas. It's the, 